Welcome to Nation of Animation, a Cartoon Book Club podcast for all ages. I am one of your hosts, Brooke. Uh, yes, yes. Settle down, settle down. Please find your seats. I'm your other host, oh, Ryan. Sure. Uh, be sure that you already have your syllabus. Let me make <laughs> sure you have your, your trapper keepers and your yearbooks. <laughs> I'm an actual college professor. I don't know why I'm like bungling this You know, first, um, it's like I forgot you did these little bits. So I really thought you were going to say... And I'm the other host, Ryan. It's never that simple. And that's not what happened. So, anyway, welcome to Nation of Animation. We are doing a very special episode today, and we're joined by yet another very special guest as we continue our strike-related coverage. Please welcome professional playwright and screenwriter for television, Jihan Crowther. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. So excited to be here. I'm, yeah, I can't wait to like chat with you guys about anime and like learn all kinds of really cool things. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, today is Anime 101 here at Nation of Animation. Uh, we've watched a few anime series before in the history of the program, which we can talk about because it's not struck work. Uh, Brooke, what anime have we watched before? We have watched Keep Your Hands Off Aizuken, mm -hmm. which was cool. Which is about it was making also, anime. Yeah, it was yeah. about like TV and anime, so mm -hmm. that was cool. Um, we've also watched some Studio Ghibli things. One, we Ooh, watched exactly Kiki's one. Delivery Service. <laughs> exactly one so But far. I love Kiki's yeah. Delivery Service, so there you go. Um, we watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Your first anime, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's it. We watched Akira. Oh, you're right. As you may recall. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was wild. It didn't make an impression. It, but... <laughs> it made such an impression on me that I had to block it from my mind. Wow, powerful. Okay. But even because it was bad or I didn't like it, it was just a lot yeah that's a good uh summary for that film yes um yeah so we are going to talk a little bit about like the history of anime and like what it is in like a modern context uh jihan and brooke are going to be my uh, tas <laughs> today they'll be uh guiding the discussion and helping me uh, illuminate things but i have prepared some notes uh so anime. well before you get started yes i want to ask jihan what's your experience with anime so far what what Very level good. of student are you Right. I would say not quite kindergarten, maybe like first grade. Mm -hmm. Like okay. I actually have Akira on my list of things to watch and I didn't know that was anime. Yeah. So, and there's a reason for that. We'll, we'll cover that. Yeah. There's, it's, okay. it's an interesting cool. sort of like half outlier, but yeah. Yeah. I think there are probably things that I've watched and I just think like, oh, that's just a cartoon and mm -hmm. not like thinking about it in terms of like its context within like anime because I don't know much about it so I'm just sort of receiving it as like a regular person who you know I like to watch like Bojack Horseman like I like to watch mm -hmm. things that are like for adults but are also animated so um yeah so I'm just kind of I'm really I think yeah I would say first grade maybe mm -hmm. not perfect <laughs> I wouldn't put myself on a very similar level and I feel the same way especially about like like a movie like Kiki's Delivery Service which I saw as a kid I didn't think of it as anime I just thought of it as a cartoon movie so mm -hmm. I'm definitely in that same boat of like I even may have seen more anime than I think and I just don't categorize right. it as anime mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think I might be there too yeah, it's a really curious sort of like uh, squares and rectangles thing that could happen. Like certain things, like any animation that isn't from the West might be called anime. Or like sometimes like some shows that like borrow the style. Like some people think that Avatar The Last Airbender is anime. Or that like okay, well, certain that, cartoons so. that Netflix makes are called anime even when they're made by like Western studios and stuff. So there's some curious overlap. That is interesting. Yeah. And I hope you'll teach us about why. Yes. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> yes. will. 
So what is anime? The short version is Japanese animation. It's just, you know, anime is the word for, you know, cartoons in Japanese. Uh, not anim not just animation from Asia. Uh, Chinese animation is not anime. And animation from South Korea, which, you know, in recent years, more South Korean animation has been getting, like, popular. Mm -hmm. um, that is not anime. That is a separate uh, type of thing. Um, not to say that that's not, like, cartoons or whatever. It's just not what anime is. Um, Japanese adaptations of Chinese or Korean comics are anime, though. Um, sure. So, Which you know, into like a little like gray. Yeah, there's some overlap it, there. Know. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, there was an anime called The God of High School, which is a great name, but it is a Korean <laughs> comic that was adapted into anime by a Japanese animation studio. So that that's anime. Is there a name like anime for Korean animation? Because it's know. getting like more popular. I, I do not. Know. There, I'm sure there's yeah. a Korean mm -hmm. word for it, but like something that's westernized in the way that anime yeah. sort of is as well. I think it's. Hmm. Let me double check something real quick because I think it is. Um, okay, well, comics because Japanese comics are called manga. Yes. Um, ja uh, South Korean comics are called mahua or manhwa, M-A-N-H-W-A, which is what they call their version of manga. Um, so there's that for free i'm not sure if there is like a particular word about that's um, all right i was just again, a curious that's a different class this is just anime <laughs> i can only tell you what is anime i can't tell you what isn't <laughs> you were you were right <laughs> as as academics say that is beyond the scope of the study <laughs> very diplomatic okay. there we go yeah that's how i'm trying to walk past that um so there's a longer version which is going to be the rest of this uh, episode. Uh, anime differs from Western animation in that it frequently tackles more like complex adult subject matter, um, whether that's like through violence or suggestive themes for uh, people of a certain vintage of like my generation, like growing up in the 90s. A lot of times your first exposure to anime would be like on Adult Swim late at night where it's like, have you know there's cartoons with like tons of blood and like naked people, um, right. which is uh, a particular type of anime we'll get to, but that is sort of like the vision is that like, for Japan, like anime is considered like a much broader um, like industry. I think that here in the West, we've caught up a little bit in recent years, like relatively recent, by, like by the 90s, but like animation can be for adults or can be for like other age groups and other like specific um, demographics than just like one big lump of like, it's for kids. And that usually meaning it's for boy kids. Yeah. Um, so, but Japanese animation was ahead of us. On that, yeah, on correct. That curve. It was more like all ages, kind of from from its get go. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is a sort of an interesting, like, alternative, like you know, I don't know, design priority for for mm -hmm. that perspective. And also maybe like you know, this is like editorializing, perhaps, but like elevates it as an art form then when it's mm -hmm. like ah oh, adults can experience it too right too, not to yeah. say that's like right or wrong mm -hmm. but just right in the social like zeitgeist right but i think i think when you think of like that it's initially like whenever a ghibli film comes out that's like a blockbuster for everyone mm -hmm. in japan and you know anecdotally when the pokemon movie came out here in america my dad did not want to see that fucking thing <laughs> I was yeah. like, can we please go see it? And he was like, okay. And I remember afterwards my dad being like, like overhearing him telling my mom that was the worst movie I've ever seen. Oh no. It's <laughs> just so funny. And like, I'm sure it's probably not like, you know, it's not Ibsen, but like the worst film you've ever seen. Tough to say. Um, but yeah, one thing that's also sort of unique with anime and its storytelling. Uh, is the use of almost like expressionistic narrative. So like, and like, specifically like theatrical expressionism. Like it's characters like big emotions, often big hair, uh, like <laughs> shouting their feelings. That's characters, you know, this is like thinking about, particularly in Shonen anime, like Full Metal Alchemist, where it's like young people against the world. And the notion of like these characters that like are gonna like 
monologue about friendship or whatever that's sort of like a cliche but it comes from this sense of like the emotions are too big to be talked about in a calm voice and the world has to reflect that same like high volume of their energy to keep up with it so that's why so many shonen anime specifically which is you know young boy like adventure battle anime uh often deals with these like broad strokes big emotions big feelings you know and big fights think of what? specifically like musicals because yeah. when they oh, yeah. burst into song it's like mm -hmm. because there's so much emotion you must sing right yeah, or, correct or that's like the thought process yeah and i think it's very similar like uh, instead of like musicals though some anime do like how like musical sections or original songs and stuff we'll get there but it's instead of like when there's emotions are too big they have to fight and like that's like no one it's very rare for characters to be in a fight where it's not like this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me mm -hmm. um and that extends to like sports anime where like every game even if the biggest stakes are like oh we want to win you know the little league game it still has to feel like the, the sky is falling if you don't win the little league game oh i love that so it's yeah. really high drama it's almost like a little bit like opera in a way yeah also um, that for sure yeah mm -hmm. and i think especially if you're like you know getting into the subs versus dubs debate, I think that the appeal of subtitled anime for me is very much similar to the appeal of opera. It's like, I don't speak Latin or Italian or whatever, but the emotions will get me there. The emotions yeah. in the subtitles at the bottom of the stage will get me there a lot of the time in a way that's often like more enjoyable than hearing like English voices talk about whatever they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I think the opera comparison is great. Yeah. Yeah, like across the board, I'm always like distracted by dubbing because I'm like, if I'm like subtitles at a certain point, I forget I'm even reading because like mm -hmm. of what you're saying, like the emotions get me there and I'm just sort of experiencing the whole thing. But dubbing, I'm just like, oh man, like whose voice is that? It doesn't even match up. It makes me insane. <laughs> right. And the other problem with dubbing is that it's never like a, a just the most effective translation. It's the translation that most matches the lip flaps on screen. So it's like you're trying to translate someone's work and also like mimic their dance steps at the same time it's it's i think yeah. people who do dubbings you know are herculean athletes of like mental gymnastics to make the story a make sense and b look right you know or at least close to right when someone else is saying the words yeah. crazy skill yeah um so you know some you know these expressionist things are true across like different genres whether it's like even in my notes, I have like, operatic highs. So yeah, even in more like down to earth spice life shows about like cooking mm -hmm. or like playing shogi, like it's still the same level of, of extreme passion. Um, mm -hmm. Historically, anime animated films existed in Japan as early as like 1907. You can find early, like very like short rudimentary animations, but really mm -hmm. things change after World War II. Um, and that's sort of an understatement about like, the world. For most things, you could say things change after World War II. But a thing that happens after World War II is that like American presence uh, brings like American comic books over to Japan, and like Japanese artists like look at the, like the little like whether it's like little bubblegum comics or like even early DC like superhero stuff, which is happening around that time, and they see like an alternative way of like serialized popular like comic storytelling. Um, and there's a guy named Osamu Tezuka who is considered like the grandfather of manga and by extension, the grandfather of anime. Also uh, the greatest workaholic who ever lived. Oh, Osamu Tezuka is the, is like the reason that there is like a terrible crunch problem in the manga industry, because, you know, in the early days, publishers were like, are you sure you can like produce enough to make like a weekly comic book viable? And Osamu Tezuka is like, absolutely. I can crank out dozens of pages a week. I will never sleep. I will never take a vacation because he like, he cared about yeah. telling you stories so bad. And in order to like yeah. get people to pay him and be like, sure, we believe that you could do like a viable weekly comic book. Um, he had to like really just knuckle down for most of his life 
Um, oh my he, god! When he eventually dies, uh, he's like been hospitalized for poor health due to overwork. His last words are after a nurse takes away his like pencil and paper. His last words are, "I'm begging you, let me work." Oh, and what? Then he dies, and then he just falls Sad. over dead. Yeah, people like to debate that he was actually talking to God. Um, <laughs> that's so crazy. That's literally like it goes the opposite of what that whole like nobody says they wish they worked more on their deathbed. And he's yeah, like, okay. one person hey, did. Mom, I yeah. wish. <laughs> and so then everyone else who wants to work in manga has to follow Tezuka's workload, has to follow Tezuka's pace. And so even today, mangaka, which is like the name for like writer artists in manga, because often uh, it's very rare for there to be like a writer artist team in manga. It's usually the same person writing and drawing. Their deadlines are insane and like burnout and like health problems are extremely high for mangaka and eventually uh, we'll day. talk about the strike and yeah <laughs> like that so yeah it all so that's the thing. it's not like the manga and anime world is without labor problems they're yeah, just yeah. not yeah. currently on strike yeah. so. but it's like it just feels so like because when you're describing him it almost sounds like dickens who had to write like a million words like yes yeah. mm -hmm. and it would be as if like authors now had to keep working at the pace of dickens where you're just like cranking out whether it's good yeah. or not, just like cranking pages out. Yeah, it's this absolute like, hand-to-mouth no work ethic. Yeah, it, it makes yeah. it like this is almost like how influencers live, I think, where it's like constantly, yeah. I got to crank out the content. Content, content. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I fear that, I hope that Tezuka thought of his stuff as like art and not just content. But like, right. my God, it yeah. was certainly both. Uh, his big hit is Astro Boy. Astro Boy is sort of like the Mickey Mouse of the anime. That is. Yeah, oh, super yeah. huge, like merchandising juggernaut. Yeah, uh, less so out over here in the states, weirdly enough. But in Japan, he is like Mickey Mouse. Sure. Um, yeah, and that'll happen a couple of times where something will hit like wildfire in Japan and like only just kind of resonate for us over here in America, mm -hmm. which I always think is interesting. Um, so beyond Tezuka, Toei Animation and Mushi Production, which is one company, despite the you know compound name oh sure yeah uh was founded and produced the first color anime feature film in 1958 it was called Haju, uh, hakujaden which translated to the tale of the white serpent uh so this is a huge thing because it's a feature film released um that's all animation mm -hmm. by like an, japanese animators um and what year did you say this was 58 so disney is all mm, i won't I can talk about Disney. I just want to talk exist. about exist. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they exist too. So you've got sort of that comparison of like the the come up of mm -hmm. anime. Exactly. And these Japanese animators being like, look, this this guy Michael Mouse across the pond is doing enormous things. <laughs> right. Yeah. It can it can happen here, and they're proven right. Uh, so Toei Animation to this day is like one of the big distributors of anime. They're like extremely extremely influential and powerful, and this is where they get their start. Uh, in the 70s, they pivoted from like feature film to TV because television was becoming a more like sure. prominent technology. Um, mm -hmm. And that like led to the advent of anime TV series. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought completely. I like I, now we know anime TV series yeah, started. No, my, like, my notes go another example. And it's like, what was the first example? <laughs> anyway, um, one big anime uh, TV show was 74's. Uh, Heidi Girl of the Alps by Isao Takahata. Oh, sure. Yeah, Takahata would work closely with uh, Miyazaki and what would eventually like lead to the founding of uh, uh, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki, I might not have said his first name. But yeah, Hayao Miyazaki, another of life's greatest workaholics ever. Um, truly, just if you like dudes who are married to their job and like are only passingly interested into their like real life lives, <laughs> anime is the industry for you. <laughs> Anyway, Heidi Girl of the Alps was a hard sell because it is like, one, it's aimed specifically at children, like children, children, mm -hmm. which I think is interesting that it's a hard sell for the cartoon to be aimed at kids. 
It's like, you know, kids aren't going to like it. It needs to be sophisticated for adults. And also there's no like fantasy element. It's kind of like a slice of life story about just like, you know, a girl living in the Alps and having like daily, you know, down to earth problems. Uh, mm -hmm. However, it's a huge success both in Japan and abroad. And that means that like, uh, particularly in Europe. And so, you know, again, the, the, the the smell of gold and then their hills mean that more anime like tv for all ages starts getting made mm -hmm. uh Hayao Miyazaki and Takahata start a series of literally based of literary based anime called world masterpiece theater which like every episode adapts like a piece of literature into oh, anime. Cool. Okay. Yeah. so sort of like wishbone but for anime yeah it's so cool yeah, so that's sort of like things continue apace in the 70s. Um, in the 80s, uh, Miyazaki. the education, like you're just asking about, yeah, or yeah. make an assumption. Yeah. It seems like that would help like garner, you know, sort of uh, nationwide support because mm -hmm. then you can point to it as like, and it's education. Culturally enriching. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm -hmm. So like something to like endear like the parents more to it because at least your kid's yeah. watching a cartoon that's, teaching them something yeah absolutely as opposed to like i don't know something that would be seen as merely fluff or sure. whatever yeah mindless entertainment yeah i might say yeah i think that's absolutely true and i like the the there's a long lineage of like anime adaptations of literature that like goes on to this day like there's been like a weathering heights anime there's oh. been so many sherlock holmes anime versions <laughs> over the years oh my God. um they they love their you know they they're not afraid to take a western literature and put some like pretty young anime boys in there really, like dense <laughs> things you know yeah. like well that's why they're like series they can like right. really stretch them out and really like dig in there um but yeah so in the 80s like anime film gets another like big like win like the pendulum swings back like equally towards film because you know it mm -hmm. moved away from film to tv in the 70s 80s brings a movie called nausicaa valley of the wind which is the first film uh that has like the prestige of what we would consider now Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. uh, Hayao Miyazaki had made more films before this and Ghibli wouldn't be founded until 85, the year after this. But this is the like the film that gets uh, Miyazaki like name recognition as like the guy, like the the anime guy who makes stuff that is like considered like true cinema for all ages. Mm -hmm. um, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is released in America with like a misleading poster that makes it look like Star Wars. There's like a robot character on the poster that is not oh. in the movie at all. Uh, Harvey Weinstein comes in like and like cuts it all to hell, uh, which makes him an enemy of Hayao Miyazaki's for life. And eventually an enemy of everyone. And eventually an enemy of everyone's, yeah. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit during the like the in the lead up to releasing Princess Mononoke in the West, Hayao Miyazaki is alleged to have sent a samurai sword to Harvey Weinstein with the note, no cuts. Attached. oh my god i love that and weinstein backed the fuck off uh there right. were no cuts made to huh. Princess Modern, okay uh miyazaki should have finished the job uh, yeah. anyway uh so the 80s brings a lot of other big hits from uh in anime like kiki's delivery service is released in the which 80s grave of the fireflies which is like a harrowing look at like the immediately fallout of the, the nuking of hiroshima and nagasaki you know i haven't released. seen that one but one of my professors in college was like Brooke, have you seen Brave of the Fireflies? And I was like, no. And she was like, it's probably the saddest movie I've yeah. ever seen. Brave of the Fireflies is, I would say, bar none, the most like, it is like a film, not even about misery, but just about like sorrow. Like it is a, it is a film about like just being the saddest you can possibly be. That, that goes back to, you know, we talked about like, it's not necessarily meant for children. Right. It's meant for everyone you know Hayao Miyazaki who lived through World War II uh, sure. many of his films are about the the trauma of that yeah yeah um, another film from the 80s Akira 
Um, also a film about like post-atomic like uh, yeah. anxieties and concerns. Um, so Akira was, um, you know, developed the creator was like working on the movie while the manga was still being written. Um, and the manga would not finish for a few years until after the film had come out. So it was a real Game of Thrones situation. Mm -hmm. um, I was about to say, like other big yeah. <laughs> television shows that weren't. And, finished. you know, as we talked about in the Akira episode, he did like do a version of the ending in the movie. And it was like, oh, I need to change some shit, actually. <laughs> so the ending of the manga is changed because he does a like a first draft in the film. Oh. Um, but the curious thing about uh, Akira and like the reason why it seems so different from other anime is that it was animated in a much more like by hand style. There was like some like uh, cost cutting ways that were popular in anime at the time to like just animate like certain body parts moving and use like static backgrounds and stuff. And Akira, the animators like rejected all of that. Um, you, you know, like we said in that episode, it was like a conglomeration of like several animation houses working together to animate it. And so there is constant movement in Akira. Like every character in the background is moving kind of all the time. And that like, it was way more labor intensive. And as such, the characters like move and look in a way that feels like different to anime of the era and even anime still today. So that's why Akira is sort of the statistical outlier because they put all the animators to work onto it. Right, right. Which is more of like um, sort of the way I think sort of Disney movies worked that era. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. A 80s Disney, you know, had a, you know, there's this sort of like boom of like much more detailed hand-drawn animation uh, and then like sort of contrasting to like less so the TV animation they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, at the end of the 80s, the economic bubble in Japan bursts, which is a bummer. Um, also, Osamu Dezuka, Tezuka dies in 89 to like really like metaphorically show that the 80s are over. Party's sure. over, folks. Yeah. Guys. Still, still working. Yeah, I'm begging yeah. you, let me work. <laughs> oh, man, metal. Um, so the 90s, early 90s are kind of like a rebuilding period for Japan's economy and for anime as an industry. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, you see the rise of these things called OVAs, which are original video animations, which is basically like direct-to-VHS cartoons, basically, um, that were never meant to air on TV. And because they were never meant to air on TV, they can be much more um, violent and gratuitous. Oh, um, and sure. so that is where it's, sometimes there's still like adaptations of manga but more often these are like original stories just thought of to be like you know a barely their story and a reason to draw a guy like fighting a bunch of vampires for 70 minutes and you're like okay that's good enough um right th throw in someone some sexy women in there and then we got ourselves a movie um and then it's sort of the rise of the ova industry which to this day is still sort of existing even though it's not really about videotapes anymore but this is like anime mini series that are a lot more experimental and less focused on like telling a whole story or less focused on telling like a long story and more focused on telling like a very short sort of tonal piece that's more about like something visually friggin' cool and then you move on with your day that's so interesting. oh sorry no then go ahead yeah no i was just gonna say like it's really interesting because i think that's what you're describing is how i sort of came to sort of understand anime or when it sort of like mm -hmm. entered my like realm was like this sort of hyper violent like really sexy kind of um stories and I think it's just like probably kids at school talking about it and I was just like cartoons like just like not quite yeah no I mean OVAs are absolutely the most like did, like hearing about it at school like like did you hear Joe like saw this thing called Vampire Hunter D and it's all about like, <laughs> the sexiest vampire killer ever like right. oh my god we gotta go over to like his house and watch the VHS that like he got from the top shelf of Blockbuster right. like, yeah that this is that era a hundred percent of okay, like you yeah, won't believe what your classmates saw yeah 
Yeah, it was just the kind of thing because like I think people were also trying to watch like scandalous things late at night anyway. But yeah. like it's definitely like I was just like I didn't even know cartoons. Like the most I thought cartoons could be was like The Simpsons as far as like adult mm-hmm. content. And then it was just like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, and like this is the sort of thing that will eventually in like the nineties and two thousands be aired on late time night American TV, like brought over as like special attractions. Like see like. Demon City Shinjuku is going to be on like tonight, the Cartoon Network at 2 a.m. Like, <laughs> that's what they're looking for. Um, so in the 90s, after like a, a slow re- rebuilding, like there are more like big hits come on, like a little thing called Pokemon happens, um, and that's huge. And then a little show called Neon Genesis Evangelion happens, um, and that is, you know, economically, that is like Star Wars. It is, you know, it's it's quite a big hit here in America, you know, especially in the era is this like, it's a mecha show about big robots, but also about like depressed teenagers. Um, the creator, Heidi Akiano, uh created it initially as like a love letter to anime to be like, like bring anime back, like say preserve anime. And then he has a nervous breakdown midway through production. And like the show ends with like a big like middle finger to obsessive fans. <laughs> like, why are you people the way you are? Get a life, get a girlfriend. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can it's incredible 26 episodes around episode like 19 you get the feeling like hmm, something seems wrong right <laughs> this world seems sick like the god of it is having a breakdown of some kind right it's oh, really wow. fascinating stuff and that's interesting you know that they're sort of comparable pokemon and neon genesis even mm-hmm. brilliant but like i don't know i know about poke everyone knows about yeah. pokemon everyone you know? knows it's like, yeah and it's even like extended to like I'm sure there's been McDonald's toys and, yeah. you know, things like that in pop culture, whereas Neon Genesis Evangelion is still sort of niche. Right. Relatively compared to right. Pokemon. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Certainly. Yeah. But in Japan, like, listen, you can get Neon Genesis and Evangelion anything. Sure. You want a wristwatch? You got it. You want a fishing rod with a robot face on it? You got it. You want like grills? You like, like both for your teeth and for your charcoal, like grilling? Um, you can either one. Like it is it was a merchandising dynamo to the point that they kept like making remake movies. And I think they only finished like a, like a set of remake films, like two, one or two years ago, they released the last one. Finally, um, yeah. it, you know, and then an incalculable cash cow. Uh, I did skip over like during like the seventies, a show called Gundam comes out and like shows like the premise, the, the promise of like, like mecha anime for like uh, a new generation in like the sixties or stuff like, Shows like Mazinger Z, where like um, I don't know what that yeah. is. Well, it's like a big robot, and he fights like monsters and stuff. Oh, sure. But so then, like the 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 proliferation of robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animation. Yeah, exactly. And like for a while, it was just like yo, they fight a big monster and a Godzilla or whatever. And then Gundam is like, what if it was about like just real ass war, and it was just people and robots shooting other people and robots, and it was mostly child soldiers. And then Evangelion sort of marries those two because it's like people and robots fighting like big monsters, but the monsters are like, hey, are you gay? And then the kids are like, oh fuck, I might be gay. Um, and that's that show. <laughs> and these and, and these are all really geared in America mm-hmm. towards like young boy audiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Pokemon, which does sort of yeah. have like a universal appeal, mm-hmm. is yeah. as I remember it, it was mostly like little boys in my class who really yeah. loved Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shows more geared towards women are like Sailor Moon, or yeah. like Cardcaptor Sakura, which I, I don't I, know what that is. Yeah, it, it's, it's a huge hit for girls in um, Japan. Sure, but not, that, it didn't reach like yeah. Western popularity. That show's interesting because Cardcaptor Sakura, the gimmick is like the main character Sakura, you know, 
a little magic creature is like, hey, you need to like go stop all these ghosts and monsters. And she's like, sounds good. And then every episode is mostly a romance where she's like oh. <laughs> doing like, she's like fighting little monsters, but every episode is mostly about her and her crush, like circling Aww. each other slowly. I so like that. It's a, it's a really neat like trick that the show pulls on you. you like you come for like the like Pokemon type fights and you stay for the relationship. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. No, that show's really, really good. Uh, Maybe I'll watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after Evangelion, it really mid-90s is where, like, sort of the, the wave comes back up for anime, and it never really, hasn't really stopped yet. Like, we've been in 30 years of just continuous, like, proliferation of Prosper as, like, um, the money keeps coming in from existing shows, like animation houses, like Greenlight More Stuff, um, and shows get more, uh, like, experimental and, like, a wider array of them for more genres happen. Um, in the past few years, there has been sort of, like, you know, the prestigification of shows where, like, you know, Stranger Things comes out with some episodes and then there's no more for, like, several years because they have to go reshoot it all and they only do it, like, a season at a time and there's no, like, continuity. That has come to anime where, like, a show will have, like, um, a season will be produced, and then it'll be several years before another one comes out. Um, Attack on Titan was a big hit. Its first season aired in, I believe, like, 2012, and I think its second season didn't air until, like, 2015 or 2016. Like, uh, and it's still not done. Like, they've been on and off. Season four, the final season, has not ended yet. Um, They had to split it up into, like, three, like, chunks of it. Um, So this sort of, like, staggered production schedule is the current, like, sort of state of affairs for anime, where a show will come out and even if it has an incredibly well-received season it will be an undetermined amount of time before the next bit of it comes out british tv series yeah, yeah similar yeah is that because of how long it takes um to like create the animation like is it or is it just kind of the way that they think about story sometimes think? it depends because like for some shows that are like adapting weekly manga sometimes they'll like run out of stuff to adapt and it's like well in the old days like in the 90s and 2000s they would just do filler arcs which is why if you go back and like try to watch like one piece or naruto you could find lists online of like hey skip these like several hundred episodes because nothing of value happened because they were just buying time before the yeah. manga writer was finished. to the next thing and they yeah. had enough for another episode that, that matters <laughs> yeah so you'll have episodes where like everyone on naruto just gets drunk on a ship for an episode because yeah they needed something to make um and they sort of moved away from the filler model now where it's like well if we're out we're out and you're just gonna have to wait a while um, and sometimes it is like money they will also like animation houses will like produce the first season and then like sell the rights to it to another thing and that can like take a while for like legal rights to clear um that's what happening jojo's bizarre adventure which is like a very long running uh anime uh like the most recent season was done through netflix and that was because they like bought the rights to do it from like the production company that had done it before and they were like that's why you know production for jojo's bizarre adventure stopped for a couple years while they like settled that and then they finally did the most recent season um so there you go so that's the current economic situation of of anime um yeah so there are some like major types and categories these aren't really genres these are just like age groups i already mentioned shonen anime which is like i think when most people who don't know anime like hear the word anime they picture this this is like dragon ball z this is one piece this is naruto this is uh boys and men fighting and yelling and and glowing bright colors sure yeah yeah Yeah, what i sort of think of yeah Yeah. for sure it is the most like visible (laughs) one yeah because i think in america it's it's the one that makes the most money right okay yeah because that is kind of what 
we're trained to like like those kinds of visuals i think yeah mm -hmm. that's what yeah. The, the the culture is geared toward which yeah. is not right but is how it is which also <laughs> may be why like i'm i don't feel as interested in it all the time just because sure. you know like mm -hmm. i not that i don't like a good fight in media but like shows that are focused around that like battles in. right i'm yeah. like yeah that's cool but yeah maybe for not sure. for me yeah uh so there's also kodomo muke which is literally translated to intended for children this is stuff for like kids, kids. This is like Hamtaro or like uh, Pokemon is often considered this, like Digimon, things where it's like like talking animals and like the stakes are pretty low and it's just like little th things to watch, you know, when the, they're too young to go to school. Sure. <laughs> and this is this like the emergence of that kind of anime? Like, is it all like adults until we get to this point? Like the Pokemon? It's sort of like you know, it's sort of like they all sort of like branched and grew as the things were going. I think Kodomo Muke okay. came about fairly like later. I think like yeah. going back to Astro Boy would probably count. Astro Boy is a pretty like harmless and like all ages like affair. But, yeah. um, you know, as more shows get made, the like the delineations get broader and wider because mm -hmm. they think like, well, let's make more stuff aimed just for like kindergartners and more stuff aimed for like 20 somethings. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I think it's like an interesting crisscross of like where I feel like U.S. animation started like doing things that were just for adults to watch. And it started mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. everybody can watch it. And like maybe it's a little bit naughty to like getting to something like Bojack that's entirely like do not let children watch this. Right. Show. Yeah. You know, it's like almost like the inverse. So it's almost mm -hmm. like a crisscross that's happening. Yeah. Um, I, I think that like, yeah, definitely adult oriented animation anime has existed longer than adult oriented Western animation. And yeah. also, like, I don't think there was ever the like you know, time where every adult anime had to be like, like a family guy, you know, it's just people, it's just cartoons that say like poop butt wieners. Like, right. like, it was never that juvenile, I don't think. Right, um, right. But yeah, uh, other than, after that, after Kodomo Muke and Shonen, there's seinen anime, which is like, for like college age men, like young men, like young adults. Uh, this is often like more violent and more like, uh, you know, adult gratuitous themes. Um, I've mentioned like Berserk before on the show, which is very like adult, like that's the Game of thrones yes like anime probably ever. There's like lots of like blood and guts and like deeply violent uh, uh, encounters and um, and it's sort of any like trigger warning you would need applied to something is somewhere in that show, uh, yeah. in that manga and then the anime adaptations of it. Um, then on the other hand, we have Shoujo, which is anime for young women um with like sailor moon sailor moon counts yeah. yeah uh like romance anime of some magical girl stories um mm -hmm. uh jose is uh the girl version of seinen so i don't know why the like say goes at the end of the word for that i'm not sure about the grammar there but jose is like anime for college age less such young adult oh sure yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting do you have examples of what what that is I yeah I, I, I would say like there's a show called fruits basket which is about a girl who like falls in love with this boy but his everyone in his family turns into animals like at night because oh. due to like an old curse that's like a very slow burn romance um i think some other shows that are like i had some no that's a good example because yeah. i do know what that is yeah. i haven't seen it but that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, and Fruits Basket's a great show. They like remade it recently. It was pretty, pretty all right. Uh, yeah, something called Paradise Kiss is listed here. Although I'll tell you, actually, in a roundabout sort of way, uh, you know the show um, Yuri on Ice? Or, like, have you heard I, of I it? I haven't heard of that. The little ice skating boys. Yeah, they are two gay ice skating boys. Yeah, um, and, like but explicitly it gay for young women because they're interested in that. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. So there's sort of two like offshoots of this type of romance, um, which is. Uh, uh, Yaoi, Y-A-O-I, which is literally translated as boy love, um, about gay boys. Um, and then nice. Yuri, which is girl love, which is about gay girls. Um, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. 
pick pick your flavor there that's, yeah that's interesting to me that that's like a whole category or demographic because i feel like in western media you know I, and i think we're getting better at this and there are shows that are geared towards young adult women now but there there's was especially for a time like that sort of gap where mm-hmm. they were yeah. not being marketed to yeah mm-hmm. you know the, the marketing is often very coy of like oh the forbidden like glances and little mm-hmm. hand touches you know it's it's very like big block letters the lesbian one but sure, like, right. people know what's up like yeah, yeah. the terms you're in yeah. are sort of ways to like dodge the curse and be like hey you know what you're getting here mm-hmm. like yeah that's very interesting oh yeah those are like the basic like age groups of, of mm-hmm. like you know children young boys young girls and then like adult women adult men um there's like lots of genres that are popular you know there's like the shonen battle anime that is literally all about like fighting um and getting stronger and whatever what have you i mentioned mecha anime there are the two offshoots of like super robot where they fight like monsters and like quote real robot which i always think is funny because like no like real like it's big ass robots it's still not real but that's like the gundams and like bottoms of the world where it's just about like real warfare but it happens to have big robots is the real about them looking human or is it just about them not being monsters themselves? I think it's what, you know, it's more about like, yeah, than like being more grounded in like real life, like warfare or like real life conflicts. Um, and like, you know. Sure. So it's not like like science fiction, but or like. Yeah, it, it's, it's like more grounded science space. fiction. It's, yeah, <laughs> often like less about like, ooh, space and like distant right. planets. And it's just like, okay, look. It's a late, you know, imagine if World War II had robots, like, again, like, it's, <laughs> it is often World War II, um, just because, you know, we can get why, I think we can guess why. Yeah. I think we can guess why, but I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm still kind of like, oh. Yeah, and like, space opera is its own, like, like, popular brand, like, the spaceship Yamato was one of the first big, like, popular long-running anime, and that was about, like, like, people on a big spaceship, just so, like, like, anime Star Trek is, like, the, the elevator pitch for spaceship Yamato. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> like it. Sports anime is huge. People love like anime versions of people playing sports. Um, like matches? Like they're playing like soccer matches or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, they're like, uh, what, what, there was like a recent one that was really big. Uh, Blue Lock, it was called about like, like a like high school soccer team where, you know, the thing about Blue Lock is that every single person on the team is like, yeah, team teamwork forever, but I know I'm better than you. It's like everyone oh. on the team being like teamwork, but I'm the best one. It's like about like selfish soccer players. Oh my gosh, um, it's like Friday Night Lights, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Haikyuu, which is a volleyball anime that I, I quite enjoy, um, is like really popular and is also about like they're they're often like school age athletes um is often how it is so you can so combine like, tell me if this is not the right track yeah. but like it's sort of like the games replace like the battle aspect exactly right yeah sci-fi or you know things like yeah that. instead of like goku punching a guy for six right. episodes it's like yeah, it's the semi-finals for six episodes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's often the pacing is very similar um, yeah so interesting yeah very very much so um, and like slice of life, uh, off, you know, there will be anime that's just about like, you know, this is similar to uh, Heidi of the Alps is an example of this. of just like characters just hanging out and like living their lives. I think keep your hands up. Isaac is also similar to this. Cause the stakes are very low. It's just about mm-hmm. like these three girls and their anime club. Right. Like, the world's not ending. They're just yeah. trying to start their club. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's just about like little quiet, uh, 20 minute, you know, s- snapshots of like, it's like moving still lives almost. It's just about like the natural state of things. Um, <laughs> that are like kind of alternative i guess or like our version of indie uh, kind of yeah it has it's very like indie film like mumblecore uh type of yeah. thing mm-hmm. okay. fewer of those i would say are like super big hits outside of japan i think like a uh, slice of life anime has a harder time getting its way out the door and across the ocean but there it's a fairly popular subgenre yeah that sounds really interesting i feel like that i would that i would be a fan of that stuff <laughs> uh magical girl is a big one you know that's the sailor moons of the world 
Um, Card Captor is also like a magical girl thing where, you know, girl, you know, it's it's like the superhero fantasy, but all, usually with girls at the center of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty straightforward and self, self-explanatory. Um, there's a frequent genre called isekai, which is basically like, you know, person goes to a fantasy world. Um, usually it's like, you know, I'm from the real world and now I'm in magic land. Um, this happens so many times in anime. This keeps happening. It's, it's, it's so often that someone will uh, just like trip and fall out of our world into, um, you know, whatever, what have you. Um, I mentioned Boy Love and Girl Love. Idol anime is very big. So this is the fun musical comparison. There is a big popular subgenre of just like anime about like singers, um, like the idols of like the music industry um, and like fictionalizing their like journey and stuff. Um, Love Live is a big one. And it's also good because then they can also sell the music. So it's, it's sort so of like. With something like this, did this sort of come up with like the um, people's fascination with like K-pop and J-pop yeah. idol? Mm-hmm. It's taking it off yeah. of that. As like musicians Ooh. become more like pu- public servant or public figures, the notion like, well, let's just make a fictional one. And then right. we'll make a real one who sings for those characters. Mm-hmm. And then bada bing, we're making so much money. Because you could take an anime on a tour and like do a concert of songs from the show. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a big, there's money, there's gold and then there are hills for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like especially 90s pop stars, like Mm -hmm. like Britney Spears did like movies like Crossroads. Yeah. She would go on tour, but then it'd also be about the movie and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that. Yeah. Or like when the Glee kids would do a concert. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Same basic thing. Um, another big popular, you know, uh, like harem anime, which is just like romance, but it's like one boy and a bunch of girls. Uh, who's he going to choose? Probably right. all of them at one point or another. The Bachelor, um, basically. Yeah, the, the Bachelor. But yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, things of that nature. I, I'll be honest, I have not watched many harem anime. It's just not my brain of jam. Um, but, you know, no disrespect. Sure. Uh, and then uh, Echi, which is E-C-C-H-I, is this porn. This is a horny anime. This is an anime oh, sure. that's explicitly about just the drawing and uh, observing of sexual acts. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is. Like, it makes money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But I'm sure <laughs> if you're curious, it would not be hard to find some on this great big sure. internet of ours. Yes. Yeah. I like it. That's the last one you have listed. Yeah. It, we'll say that. Like, and then there's this. Okay. So that's, you know, Crash Course. Those are the, like brief history uh brief like uh subcategories and brief like a genre overview of anime any questions from my, my class of two no i feel like this is just so fascinating because i think i had such a narrow view of what anime was and now mm-hmm. I, it's like so much more expansive and it makes me want to like you know find things like slice of life um yeah. anime and even just like the romance stuff like that all sounds like things that i would love to watch just mm-hmm. hanging around and so yeah, this is just so fascinating. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like the things that I would be into are like, you know, like the stuff geared towards like adult women, but not like young adult. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, like in our animation, I'm thinking of shows that have sort of started to feel fill that niche, mm-hmm. but we're not like there as its own subgenre. Right. Yeah, not enough to be like one of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um so that's exciting. And just how it's broken down by like age, I think mm-hmm. is very interesting and in that there's like something for everyone as yeah. opposed to just for the team boys who, right, who yeah. I think of. That's certainly how it seems over here. Right. It could be different yeah. in practicality, of course, and for people who live in Japan and that's their like main source of animated media. Yeah. I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that there's like kind of any genre you can think of. hmm is like you know is present anime is really also incredible because it's just like you were saying like I was thinking of it like you know just teen boys and and sort of like I just knew it as sort of like violence and like 
sort of sexy, yeah, sexy violence. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I think. Of. Yeah, so, I think over here in America, we have a tendency to view anime like as like, it's not as a genre. It's like, do you like like uh, Disney cartoons? Do you like Nickelodeon cartoons? Do you like anime? Right. Like, and it's like yeah. anime is like a medium. Um, there are genres within there, but it's not its own thing. You know, again, I think it's the fact that shown in anime is the one that it's like with dollars and cents become the most visible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, you know, the end all be all of what anime is and can be. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, it is treated like its own genre here as opposed to like a medium with like any genre you can think of. Mm-hmm. So like I, the way that like, so I think Americans who aren't as plugged into anime, and I just consider myself one of those who like has mm-hmm. like a sort of like a cursory view of it you just think of it as like, oh, it's just this. And it's like, oh my God, there's like a whole world if you just like open the door a little bit. More right. Wide. It's like if people were like, hey, do you do you like books? Like, right, do you right. like the genre of books? <laughs> and they're only thinking about like, you know, capital C, quote unquote, classics you would read in school. Yeah. Like if the only books you thought of were, quote, again, Charles Dickens or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's the only kind of book I thought they made. I didn't know there were other books. Yeah. <laughs> And if you yeah, thought it was Charles Dickens, you might not like books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would it'd be tough. Yeah. Like, I don't like books. You're I don't just like books. Like, but Charles Dickens, you're like, yeah. Understandable. <laughs> but yeah, it just it's also just shows like um, that we have don't have as much access to like the variety. So that like, mm-hmm. I think starts to like, um, oh, what's the word? Reinforce. Yeah. Like, you know, the sort of narrow view of it. And like Sailor Moon is something I'd heard of and like I hadn't watched, but um but I hadn't I hadn't known that to be like anime it just felt like cartoon right but that was because I was thinking of just this sort of narrow view so this is really like really cool like I feel like I have so many things I want to sort of check out and like explore because I didn't know they truly they existed until (laughs) you told me (laughs) awesome so let's let's try and crystallize some some things to recommend so you say you're interested in like slice of life is that right yeah. I, I recommend a show uh, called Michi Joe that's spelled N-I-C-H-I-J-O-U. It's like a comedy slice of life, just about a, like a little group of um, like girls in like middle school. Um, it's very sort of like um, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, but with anime girls instead. <laughs> I see um, there's yeah. a little cat in it. Yeah, there's right? a little cat. Does yeah. it talk? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it talking about it. Yeah. Michi Joe <laughs> is also one of the funniest anime I've ever seen. Oh, uh, just okay. so straight out the gate. Extremely oh. funny, extremely good humor. If you're looking for something a little more like like indie indie film slice of life, I want to recommend a show called, um, let me make sure I got the name right, uh, Mushishi, yeah, um, which is just about like this guy who's like a wandering like spirit uh, like oh, person. Oh. Like every episode is just like, the it's a self-contained story. episode. And you know, like ghosts, but also just like like Japanese like spirits who are just like, this is the spirit of the waterfall. Oh, or like, this you, is just the, these so spirits not, of not like- the spirit of someone who's passed. Right. More like of- cryptids almost like, oh, like these will-o'-the-wisps oh. in the woods or whatever. And it's just oh, him no. sort of like vibing uh, in the natural world. And like with some truly like, just like some of the most beautiful, like like we drawn like nature scapes you'll ever see in an anime. Cool. Great, 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 like tone setter piece for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love this. Those are, those are two free recommendations. Oh, thanks. Thank you. This was good. I really did learn a lot that I right. did not know. Cool. Any yeah. anything else you would want recommendations for either of you? Let's let me see if I can stretch my anime muscles. Okay. Um. Well, I have been watching. I've been watching like 
HBO Showtime, like sort of adult comedy shows lately. Sure. Like I've just been binging things I haven't seen before. So what about something like that? Okay. So I have, I'm going to start with one suggestion that's going to seem a little outside. Okay. Because um, it does involve, it is like a, a version of shonen anime where there is fighting. But there's a show called Chainsaw Man. Um, I have heard of this, but I have not seen right. anything. So the premise of Chainsaw Man is the main character, his dad was in debt to the mob. So okay. he sold his son to the mob. And the, so he, uh, one, has like had to sell his body parts. Like he's missing an eye. Uh, oh my and, like, and a graphic warning, a testicle that he sold to the mob just to give them money. Sad. Uh, but this is also one where like little monsters called devils run around. And if you kill devils, you can get money from the government because they don't want devils running around. So Like, like yeah. everyone killing spotted lantern flies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same exact thing but imagine instead of that it was like a crocodile with eyeballs all over its head it's harder to do yeah, yeah. and yeah. so dingy is like i hate being poor and he gets like a uh, power to like a chainsaw devil he's like hey man you don't want to not be poor i'll help you not be poor and he turns into chainsaw man and it's mostly just a show about how much it sucks to be poor and how much like you you know when you are at the bottom of the economic ladder you'll do anything to get up and we're uh, realizing that like capitalism will make you like hate yourself for the things you do um i think it's similar to some of the shows you've been watching um it's also very funny um despite what i just said <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. yeah I like there's only one season out there but yeah the chainsaw chainsaw man's great um really coolly beautifully edited also one thing i didn't really mention this but like one cool big part of anime is like the opening theme and like the closing theme also always have like bespoke animations with them um like in you know the, the world of Western, like the credit sequence, you know, the skip intro button has done irreparable harm to us as a culture. Um, yeah. I'm just like, it's like, you can do cool stuff with a theme song. And anime knows how cool theme songs can be. And they give you one at the end of the episode, too. Every other Chainsaw Man, different ending theme, though. So the end credits always look different. And are like these like little short films, almost oh, uh, different animations. Cool. So that's always cool about Chainsaw Man. Um, uh, let me think. Other anime that are like, I'm going to see if I can think of something that's like more realistic and less about, um, you know, fighting big monsters, like sure, I just said. Sure. I mean, I do think that, you know, um, some of Hayao Miyazaki's Ghibli films, you know, 20 of them are fantastical, but I think it's like The Wind Rises, which was going to be his last film before he got to make uh, How Do You Live, which is also no longer his last film. Mm -hmm. Hayao Miyazaki, king of not retiring. Every film is his last oh, one until he's like, like never mind. Sorry. It seems like that's sort of become like a the, you know the standard in yeah. Japanese animation, like working till you're on your deathbed. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> the Wind Rises is about like someone who like loves making planes in Japan in the 30s, and mm -hmm. then uh oh, uh, here comes World War II. He's gonna have to start making like planes that shoot people down, oh, sure. and like oh, reckoning nice. with like what it means when your life's passion gets turned into like a weapon of war. Um, probably pretty personal to me as for Miyazaki for a number of reasons. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> lived through World War II in yeah. Japan. Yeah, and someone whose life's passion has become increasingly more about the money than about like the the thing he wanted to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It's called When the Wind Rises. Uh, just that? the wind rises. Yeah. Oh, just the wind rises. Okay. Yeah. It's very interesting yeah. and sad. Yeah, that's 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 high out for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, is there a good like romance one that you'd recommend? Oh man, um, hmm. how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> Give me your best. Top three. Well, that's the thing. I have like romances I like in shows that are not explicitly about the romance because I think yeah. like the the relationship in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, the thing that got Brooke to be a believer. I did like the romance there's a good core romance in that between two like sort of the third protagonist and his romance is great i think sailor moon albeit unevenly when it is focusing on the love story between um mamaru and uh oh god what's his name 
Uh, tuxedo mask. Uh, no, his name is Mamoru. Her name is Usagi. Yeah, yeah, between Usagi and Mamoru is really, really good when they get out of its way. Uh, Sailor Moon is sometimes undone by the fact that it, you know, is a show about like the same problem every week of like, uh oh, a monster. And then they have to reset the status quo every time. The sitcom y stuff there sort of undoes um, the progress. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you only watch the first three and last three episodes of every Sailor Moon season, you're going to get an incredible love story. <laughs> one before ryan that i haven't seen but that you enjoy serial <laughs> experiment oh, serial experiments lane is crazy there's no long romance though oh. sadly um, well then never mind <laughs> but it is like it's a show about like um i mean it's like a, it came out like when the matrix was coming out so it's similar like riffing ideas like what might the internet be and what does it mean oh. to raise a generation half in the real world and half in the computer world and what does that do to like our like sense of what a person is when we're like defined no longer by just our physical bodies show experiments lane is, cl- is crazy however there's no romance sadly Oh, 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 I know the one. Uh, we forgot another anime to watch called Kaguya-sama Love is War, which is all about a romance. Yeah, like, that was fun. That's like a romantic battle anime where every episode is them being like, I'm going to get you to admit you love me before I have to admit that I love you because they both <laughs> just love each other so much. That's amazing. Okay. And the other one I really want to recommend is called Oren High School Host Club. Um, its premise is a little bit like Twelfth Night and then it's about a girl who has to pretend to be a boy while at a boarding school because um, the boarding school is for all men, but she needs to go to go to school. <laughs> um, and while there, she joins like the host club, which is like a club for men like pointing to practice being like, restaurant hosts who like give like female customers a, like uh, a pleasant experience while they're there so she falls in love with the main boy and they have a lot of will they or won't they um like does he know she's a girl um does he just think he is gay is he just actually gay is that going to be a problem um it's great also very funny but i think one of the one of my favorite like actual anime romances is or in high school host club i love that i love the title too okay. yeah it's great <laughs> Oh, awesome this is so cool i have so much to like look forward to there you go so yeah we're gonna I, be continuing learners still yeah. we'll still be, be lifelong learners yeah that's, that's what we're yeah. doing with that was your internet. valedictorian speech right it was <laughs> all right so let's uh in class there so now uh gian we have some questions for you as yeah. a striking wga member we would love to hear about your experiences um, so I guess, how's it been for you? How's this strike? I assume this is your first one. Um, so how, how's it been? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been, okay, it's been several things. Uh, immediately, it's been really tough, actually. And, um, and I know that, like, we have different theme pickets that are about helping people, like, sort of stay engaged and, and just feel, like, happy, like, dancing pickets, things like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's been overall a little bit discombobulating um Mm. it's like a weird i've described it as like a weird liminal space a bit like covid except that we're the only ones in lockdown in a way interesting and so it it like you lose track of like the days like even like i had a um just sort of lunch with one of my managers just to like chit chat and she was like yeah she's like oh yeah it's tuesday i'm like oh no it's it's wednesday like we're all just like what day is it even like I remember on Tuesday because I was going picketing with my friend at, at Disney and I was just like I woke up I'm like is it Sunday or Monday I'm like oh my god it's <laughs> no, neither of those I need to be in the car like in 10 minutes <laughs> and so it has this really um yeah disorienting effect just in like the day-to-day kind of life and um it does make you feel a little bit like my nephew and I was telling him about like what my day is like he's like but then what do you do with the rest of your day? I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I read. And um, and there was this sort of early feeling that 
people thought like, oh, I'll be able to like write, you know, things that I, I can't wait to write. And what I found is like, nobody's writing anything because everybody is so kind of um, just, uh, I think like a little bit emotionally drained by mm -hmm. it. I think it's also been pretty, um, uh, the sort of rhetoric from the studios has been pretty rough, like a little bit harder um, uh, and sort of upsetting than I think we ex expected, like this sort of very like, um, dehumanizing uh, of us and the work that we do. So I think that has caused some of the um, just difficulty to kind of even be interested in writing anything. Mm. And like, I think for me, it was a little bit of like, I would try to start something and then I'm like, oh, like what's even the point? And um, am I making this for people who hope that we're, you know, homeless in October? And mm. so you're just sort of going around in circles and then you have to sort of eventually come back to like, oh, I want to write a thing that I want to write because I like the idea and like, I'll have to like separate that from everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, so that's been like the rough side of it. The sort of incredibly like beautiful side of it is like the community aspect of it and the opportunity to like learn what other writers have been up to to like talk to actors and like learn what their experiences have been to this point which I like some things are like I can't even believe that's your been your day-to-day -day life and how um like no wonder you're on strike with us and then even just getting to talk to like um you know people in IOTSI like set designers and just really like learning what people are like what their work life is like what they're doing um, what their part in the machine is and, you know, what they're hoping will happen after the strike has been really kind of beautiful and illuminating because we don't get to interact this way mm -hmm. constantly, otherwise at all, really. Um, even if you're producing your episode on set, you know, you're just, everyone's just trying to get work done because you have a certain number of days, but you don't have like sort of deep conversations with like Teamsters and what their days are like, or, you know, just rips or anybody else and so like that has been a really um sort of beautiful side effect of um the strike is like I feel like I have a greater understanding of how the business works for other people and how we kind of all like sort of fit together and it it feels like it'll I hope it I hope it does I think it will translate into even more camaraderie when we're all back in production together because we understand each other like nobody's trying mm. to like not do something because of you know sort of petty reasons it's like oh you have these things that you're dealing with that i don't know about and i'm asking for this now i know like why something may or may not occur or, like just what your what their day is like and what it means if like as a writer i put in a script like and then we see the you know these kinds of costumes from the 1800s <laughs> like what that means for costume designers i'm just been like oh, bloop, bloop, bloop. <laughs> you know? and they're just like oh my god we had a source i mean to go to england and easy for me to it. say yeah 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 so like that's been really fantastic like it really feels like um creative community coming together and i you know and there have been we've been trying to um, in different ways, like support, especially, you know, Teamsters and IOTSI who are not on strike, but are not working because of our strikes and um, just trying to be as, you know, supportive as possible. And there've been different fundraisers to help them um, in part because, you know, they're on a different negotiation uh, cycle. So their negotiations um, are next year. Hmm. And so, you know, it's really rough for them to have not worked during COVID to not be working now for these last, um, this is day 143 and the longest 
WJ strike was 154 days. So we're coming up on that. Up on it, yeah. um, and just to have, you know, and it's really after the actors um, struck that it was, a, that was like the true shutdown of like, we literally can't film anything in the mm -hmm. States. Um, and so it's, it, I think it feels really important to not only acknowledge like their sacrifice, but to do whatever we can to support now. And then certainly when they are negotiating, um next year and they feel like supported and that you know if they need us to do anything we would absolutely because our strike doesn't have the leverage that we have now without the teamsters and without i absolutely not and their willingness to walk off their jobs is it's it's really like a sacrifice that i can't even it's it's hard to um, find like words to sort of express mm -hmm. gratitude for that because they are not getting anything sort of monetarily out of it. Like it's only detrimental, and it's certainly you know obviously detrimental to writers. Like people are having to get jobs at movie theaters or Home Depot, but at the end of it, we'll have a deal that we all agree. Like yes, this is. This is what we've been fighting for, and now we go back to work. and And that's not going to happen for IOTSI and Teamsters until next year. But I feel like, um, you know, I hope they feel like we will be there for them because we're always like looking for ways to support. Like even um, the ways too. I think that's been really fascinating for me is how our strike has like reached like beyond. Um, just Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so like the UPS Teamsters were potentially going to go on strike. And there was like a rally and like um, in WGA, we all showed up. Like I remember going to like eight o'clock in the morning and just, you know, being there to support them. Um, and luckily they didn't have to, like their bosses saw a reason um, and they didn't have to, but you know, that was, it was really, I felt so happy to be able to go and show support because even if it wasn't like the UPS Teamsters who were refusing to cross the picket line, it's still like their larger union family. And that felt really great. And like, I remember it was like the Canadian longshoremen who like worked the docks like came and I was just like, oh my nice. God, like everybody's here, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember um, the uh, Amazon drivers in Germany name checked our strike when they were, you know, having like their own rally, of, you know, talking about going on strike and like how they felt like empowered by, you know, our strike, like we're sort of, you know, siblings in that way. And I just found that to be so like, I was just like, <gasps> it's so true, you know, and even like, you know, the United Auto Workers too, like mm -hmm. who, you know, sort of were mentioning our strike in the context of theirs that they hoped they wouldn't have to do, but now they have to. And even now, like, you know, writers are like, what can we do? Like, does anybody live in, you know, any of these places? Like, how can we show support? Like, do they have shirts that we can buy? Like, you know, and just wanting to, um, it just feels like a, a real kind of movement is happening. Yeah. Because we're all showing up for each other. Um, I remember like the first uh, strip club that is unionized, like they showed up with a pole and did like a dance. That's amazing. And then we showed up like on their first day back as like unionized strippers and um, um, and just, you know, like we've been on tickets with, you know, housekeeping, like all of the, that union that is um, housekeeping and uh, 
uh, I think it's security, basically hotel workers, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth whenever they have a picket, if people are, you know, available to go, they'll, they'll go and they've come to ours. I mean, I remember it, like it was like environmental safety union came. Nice. So it's really been, um, it's been, that part of it has been really like beautiful and like nourishing and kind of gives me hope for labor around the country. And, and just, and I really hope that people see that. I mean, I feel like everybody deserves a union and, and I think even within the, the industry, I think um, Marvel at VFX is unionized. Like yes. Like, unanimous vote. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like on the back of ours. And I think part of it is kind of seeing how, like how hard we're having to fight just to get something fair. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a union, you don't even have a chance, mm-hmm. I think, certainly in the industry. And, and really even, you know, in other industries too. Um, and I hope people feel uh, empowered to unionize in their workplace if they aren't and they're feeling that they are not being treated well um, because I workers I think around the country and like you know in other parts of the world are really kind of understanding that it doesn't have to we don't have to just accept Mm -hmm. just whatever the corporations say we don't have to like accept just like lies about like we don't have the money when it's like we see you're a public company I don't know if you know that we can read Mm -hmm. um and just you know these kinds of things I, I I think it's I I hope um that people are also more supportive of labor strikes. I know that there has been like a kind of like a mixed reception for the auto workers because they feel like they're asking for too much. And it's like, they're actually not asking for too much. You should be asking for more. Yeah. Like it's not about whether you feel like they should deserve, you don't know anything about their job. Right. They know about their job. They know about their industry. You know, if you feel like you know, you would like to have a 40 a week too, and you would like a 40% raise because your CEO got a hundred percent raise then like get to work, you know, because yeah. the middle class, like the re-emergence of the middle class starts with unions and that's mm-hmm. just it. And so it's been really exciting to uh, be like part of it and to um, understand more what other workers, even beyond um, the entertainment industry are have been dealing with and working with. And I think that would not have happened without the strike. Like I would never have had 140 plus days to think about and read about like other workers. I, I just would have been like, I've got to turn these pages in, you know, just right. mm-hmm. in like the cycle you get in. But to have like the time to sort of like in, in that way, it also feels a bit like lockdown where um, you kind of had like time to look and see what was happening, which is why I think there were like, you know, like the uprisings that happened um, behind Black Lives Matter, people being like, sorry, what? You know, because they have time to think. Yeah, about we it. have time to realize what's broken. Yeah. 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 And so I think if I, I really, it gives me hope not only for labor, but like for the country as a whole, because I enjoy whenever just a regular person is like fed up and it yeah. starts to take, you know, the reins in some small way and I find it so exciting like even just little things like um I think oh I can't remember what city I'm just gonna say Portland because I can't think of the details but essentially there was um a Starbucks near a school and they were unionizing so Starbucks um closed the store 
And at that school, they had Starbucks on campus and those students petitioned like the leadership of the school to like cancel the contract. And so even though like the school's like, we can't cancel the contract because of the way it's written, but we won't renew it and we'll look for something else. So now that entire campus, because of student activism and because like they were pro-union, didn't appreciate Starbucks being anti, now like that whole campus like that amount of money they would have made can you imagine how much starbucks is, is making like yeah campuses are good for their business for sure yeah, yeah. They, they want and those it's just like students being like absolutely the fuck not and i'm just mm -hmm. like all right like so yeah. it's, it's good sign it's really an exciting moment um and it's it's certainly hard um yeah but it's worth it. And, you know, like my friends and I have decided that we won't look at our dwindling savings accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't even see it. I'm not even going to check. because <laughs> That seems like a good, like, health call. Like, medicinally, <laughs> you should not check. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, like, you can't because it's just like, if it goes into overdraft, it goes into overdraft. Like, there's nothing to be done. Like, mm -hmm. I can't do anything until something mm -hmm. changes. And it is exciting, like, that today is the second day in a row that um, the AMPTP is meeting with us mm -hmm. um, for the first time to have a second day. And it wasn't the first day, it wasn't just them yelling at our leadership to take whatever crappy deal they gave. And right. on top of that, the CEOs being in the room too um, sort of shows that they're really serious and they should be because mm -hmm. they are having to explain losses that make no sense to their yeah. shareholders. And that's, and I think also when like Wall Street's like, just make a deal. I'm like, if you're, if Wall Street's like pro you, <laughs> you know, you've messed up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> several wrong turns. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I have been describing myself with this um, current negotiation as hopeful, but not getting my hopes up because mm -hmm. there've been three other times we got our hopes up and they were dashed and dashed for weeks. And I don't want to, um, I want to like, I don't want to be Lucy with the football a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I just kind of want to hope for the best, like two days in a row. And like, there's a joint statement, which hadn't happened versus mm -hmm. like weird leaking. Um, I'm hopeful. I would love it if we don't become the longest <laughs> strike in <laughs> WGA history. And my great hope is like, if things could go the way I wanted it, it's like by next week, we have a deal and we vote on it. And immediately they call the actors and make a deal with them. And we can all just go into the rest of the year, just kind of like putting the pieces back together for sure. Um, because it's just, yeah, I think it'll take like a little bit of, um, you know, getting the rust out. Like, I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> That's a pitch, like, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we'll see, but it's, it's been difficult and it's been beautiful. And I think that's kind of the best things in life sometimes. And I think mm -hmm. I'll look back on this, um, in a way where I, I will forget how hard it's been and we'll hang on to like the beauty of it. And I, and I, and I hope, and it really makes me want to make sure that I'm paying attention within my community, um, if like teachers go on strike, I want to be there. Like I want to going forward, make sure I'm supporting labor actively and not just sort of like posting something on Instagram and being like, you guys, teachers are on strike. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm actually on the line with them. I'm also like, if they're like, can you call whoever? Like I want to be calling whoever. So um, yeah. Right. That's yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for talking about it with us, Jihan. That's, mm -hmm. it's really heartening. I know for us, even as, you know, non-WGA members to hear yeah. about the solidarity between unions and how hopefully this will affect our country as a whole. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we're we're uh, deeply overdue a labor movement in America. Yeah. So yeah. 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 And I really, I, I think that we got sort of caught in this sort of idea of like labor unions are bad, which is just obviously propaganda, but it's Reagan. been a generation and a half of yeah. that. And I think it took where we are now to get people to unionize, to support unions. Like, mm -hmm. I will say one thing that's also been really interesting is talking to like um, people who were in the 07 unions, mm -hmm. um, sorry, 07 um, strike and even ones before, but the ones who were at 07, they're like, we cannot explain to you how much animosity at every turn we were experiencing, like other unions, like just random people driving by on the street. And I remember like hearing about that. And I remember my first day picketing at um, Disney and there was so much talking. I was just like, oh my God, they hate us. I'm like, no, it's actually for us. They love us. Like, <laughs> because like, I only heard these like horror stories, which I'm just like, those writers were tough as hell. I can't imagine all that time and everybody, mm -hmm. everywhere you turn is just like, hates you and just thinks you're being greedy and all of these things and it's a complete 180 from that and um and I'm really grateful for that and I think that's part of why even our strike is is possible because there is like not a feeling of like we have we're preventing everybody from getting back to work it's like actually it's the studios mm -hmm. and the the fingers being pointed in the right direction and that has is a complete change from people thinking like sort of companies were the I guess heroes and the workers were running right, right. which like yeah so um yeah I'm I'm hopeful not getting my hopes up but <laughs> yeah we're hopeful as well absolutely yeah. for for a resolution that really prioritizes the writers and the actors Just fair and equitable for for y'all yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I can't, I mean, especially like you guys end up like in not in the WGA right now, but, you know, get there in the future. It's exciting too, to have um, things ironed out. So like new writers can come in because yeah. I think about my entire career has been um, streaming basically um, with like one exception. And if that fight in 07 hadn't happened, I don't know what my career would be actually right. because mm -hmm. they fought for that jurisdiction, they got it. And that's why I have a career like many years later. So I'm hoping the same thing is true for, you know, newbies coming in and they'll feel protected AI wise. They'll like actually be able to afford to live in LA mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and just like basic, you know, to sort of basic um, middle-class you know, life stuff. Like, I think people think of like writers as really rich and, you know, very fancy. And it's, again, it's really like they know about the 1% of us who are incredibly wealthy, but like most of us are just like, I mean, my neighbors are like a teacher. Like it's, it's just like a, a it's a job, like any other job. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a million bajillion jobs before I started working <laughs> And it's no different fundamentally, to be honest. I just mm -hmm. get to like be creative as well um, in a way that I want to be versus in like a way that I'm trying to like make the job work for me. So um, anyway, that's all really. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So usually to end things out, we do something called a real world recommendation where we do like a non-animation focused recommendation that we've been into this week so yeah. like i've done like diet coke before your most or, recent one yeah it's uh, 
it's random. Free strike, it would be like a like a live action TV show or movie, but it can also be like, recommended can't do that. Now. But like, you know, books or like, you know, if you saw something cool at the museum lately, or like, you know, if, if a particular restaurant was very amenable to, to y'all during the strike or something, <laughs> give them a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. But Ryan, we'll make you go first. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you ever so much. I want to recommend, oh golly. Um, oh, I want to recommend Mitski's new album. Um, oh, Mitski, yeah. uh, singer-songwriter. Hospitable and so are we. Oh. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic album from from the queen of Sackgirl uh, pop. That's true. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Brooke, what's yours? Give Jihan some more time. <laughs> I will. <laughs> um... I've been reading oh so I read this book earlier this year called the Priory of the Orange Tree which I really really enjoyed but there's like a sequel prequel that -hmm. came out called A Day of Fallen Night so I've been reading that and I'm really liking that too it's by Samantha Shannon um it's like it's super long it's like 800 pages long so I'm slowly reading it (laughs) but I am really enjoying it. If you read one book this year that might be it'll take you the whole time. so long. But I'm enjoying that. So that's my real world rec this week. Wonderful. Excellent. Um, I would say, and this is probably a bit local, but also I think applicable to anybody who's visiting LA, there's this incredible botanical garden called Descanso Garden. Ooh. That's um, in, uh, it's maybe I'm in the east side and it's about not even a 20 minute drive. And it's this beautiful. And in LA, that's short. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. And I mean, it has everything from like, you know, an full acre of ancient forest to um, like local oak groves to like a lake with, um, there's like a rose garden and it has um, incredible like seasonal, like then the rose garden, um, outside the rose garden is sort of like, they have this sort of seasonal uh, flower bed that's like tulips in the fall. It's, and they have all kinds of like events, like um, they have like a Halloween thing for like families and kids and they have something that happens over like um, the sort of winter holidays that's, it just turns into like a magical nighttime extravaganza. It's one of my favorite places that I I go regularly for sort of like grounding, I feel like in the strike. It started um, during lockdown. I I hadn't even heard of it, except that like, I was just like, I need to be outside and I don't want to hike every single time I go outside. (laughs) (laughs) And I found it and I was just like, this is amazing. Like they have yoga classes on the weekends. Like there's a, um, oh gosh, a labyrinth that is like, I love like a meditative, like labyrinth. I, it's just incredible. And like, I went on, um, Valentine's day and I remember like doing like the labyrinth and I came down and I was heading to like the rose garden and this little kid like comes running, like screaming towards me. like. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, like it's just like little magical things happen, like out of nowhere. Um, and it's just like the most peaceful, lovely place I that I can recommend. It's it's really like um, a refuge in a lot of ways. And so, like, if you're in LA or visiting LA, I can't recommend it enough. And I also recommend like a yearly membership, and then you can go unlimited all the time and just like hang around and everyone will know your name and you can get snacks and whatever (laughs) that's so cool ryan pulled up pictures and i was like yeah that's so beautiful yeah it's so (laughs) lovely every city should have i know like most cities have botanical gardens but (laughs) but not like this this is yeah this this one is it's a plus i haven't lived anywhere that had one like this 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jihan. We really appreciate it. Where can people find you online if you're so inclined to share that information? Let's see. Oh, gosh. I'm barely online because Twitter's become a hellscape. Yeah, true. But um, see, what do I even have still? I have, I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is everyone's not- favorite social media. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not quite social media. Um, I am on Instagram. It's private, but like I don't mind like if, you know, people ask to join. And so the handle on Instagram is um, at Jin Crow, J-I-N underscore C-R-O. Um, and, uh, besides that, okay. I was going to say I'm on TikTok, but I'm only on TikTok in terms of, I want to watch other people's videos and I had an account to save them. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm not making any videos. You're welcome to follow me. And then you can like, I can, you know, influence the algorithm somehow, some way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's the same. (laughs) Maybe at some point I'm also like very shy about like being on video. Maybe at some point I'll something will come up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I can film this. But um, but yeah, TikTok is my new um, Twitter, I guess. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Yeah. Great. Brooke, where can people find you online? I'm still on Twitter until they start charging us a monthly fee yeah, or whatever then, uh, they said they're going to do. So. Is that what they're yeah. doing next? That's what theory. Yeah, we'll see what actually happens, but that's what the head idiot is talking about now. That's what it'll take to like push me off all the yeah. way. <laughs> paying for this right, no. that's like that's like paying to get a nail shoved into your foot like, yeah, like right. no good. i only do it now because it's free yeah right. <laughs> so i'm still there at well, the brook mm-hmm. smith i believe is still my handle and then i have a website brookaaronsmith.com what about you ryan uh, you can find me on uh twitter at uh ryan with cheese you can find me on blue sky at oh, yeah. ryan stevens Ryan.Stevens, I think. Uh, my website, RyanGStevens.com. You can find the show on Blue Sky at Nation of Animation or on Twitter and Instagram at Cartoon Book Club because we couldn't get it, but we were early for Blue Sky to so get it locked down. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and we will be back again in two weeks with another uh, Striketastic episode unless a resolution is reached, but uh, we're pointing either way. So no matter what, we'll be back uh, with something. Uh, thank you again so much, Jihan. Thank you for, for joining us. And until next time, the state of animation is... Union Strong. Union Strong. Nation of Animation is hosted by Ryan Stevens and Brooke Aaron Smith and produced by Danny Mendoza. Our show art is by Hervashi Lele and our theme music is by Jacob Minky. Be sure to follow us at Cartoon Book Club on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.